0: Congratulations to the following brokers Ameriteam Realty, Dunes Properties, Impact Real Estate, Long and Foster. Yeah, that's a big one. 11,000 agents. Plum Tree Realty, Real Estate Professionals, Realty Ohio, Remax Advantage, Remax Essential, and Agent Strong all have taken action and negotiated steep discounts on rebus university's award-winning courses for all of their agents if you want unpublished pricing for all of your agents like these brokers have done go to hybendigital.com backslash teams or simply pick up the phone and text or call katherine brower at 843-749-9900 And now for the review of the day, here's a review from Jen Garcia, five stars. First time tuning in and love the show. Things real estate agents must know and learn. Thank you, Jen Garcia. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I have a great returning guest, Mr. Josh Mente, one of my GoBundance brothers. And we were talking at the recent GoBundance conference. And, uh, you you know, he is doing some fascinating stuff with the way he's pivoting in this market, uh, deciding after getting the lead, you know, whether, you know, he should buy properties, flip them, whether he should list them, what, what he should do with every single lead, and, and he's doing some fascinating things, and, we're, and he's always a great conversation, very intelligent dude uh, when it comes to uh, all things real estate, so I can't wait to get into this with him. So without further ado, Josh, welcome back to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Pat, appreciate you having me back on, brother. Good to hear from you.
0: Hey, Josh, give everybody a little rundown on yourself so they get to know you a little bit better.
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. I run a real estate team. Uh, last year, we sold, in 2017, we sold 325 homes. Nice. North, north of $60 million in, uh in production and north of $1.6 million in, in GCI. I also run a, or have um, a secondary business, which is a house flipping and investing business, and, uh, you know, build a rent, rental portfolio. So I'm kind of an active investor, and also running a real estate team at the same time.
0: All right, cool. So uh, nitty-gritty here, 1.6 million GCI. What's your profit margin on that, Josh? 24%. All right, so 250 plus another 150, so about 400 Gs comes back to the menti family. What uh, What about in your flipping business? How's that going? What uh, How many flips are you doing? What kind of profits are you getting on those?
1: Yeah, so we're running um, about... Uh, about a fifteen percent margin off of the gross sale price. So we are doing about eighteen to twenty-four, depending on the year. In that, as far as flips go, and we're amassing, you know, somewhere between five and six rental properties. It seems to average out on an annual basis as
0: well. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So you're you're, you're buying twenty, flipping fifteen, keeping five.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah, rough numbers, just around
0: Average price on, on these that you're flipping out at.
1: On the outsale, we're in the FHA buyer realm for Baltimore. You know, we're going to be anywhere from uh, mid to high one hundreds to somewhere in the fours as a maximum. The last couple we put on the market have been somewhere around three hundred
0: thousand. So fifteen percent on that's forty five grand. So you're looking to make forty five thousand dollars per flip. You know, we're, we're shooting.
1: Yeah. yeah, we're shooting for and at the higher price points, the lower price points, the margins are a bit are the same, but the, the results a little bit different. When you average it out. We're looking to make about thirty to 40000 per house net debt.
0: And uh, a lot of people bitching and complaining about that, saying it's harder today. Do you agree with that or you disagree?
1: Well, I agree that it's always uh, a harder conversation or a pivot point, right? So you change with the market, you change your marketing plans. You know, if you'd asked this question, I was on your podcast in 2012. I would have told you all I do is forge relationships with REO agents, give them a call, offer them both sides of the transaction, go out and take a look, and I can pluck them off as many as I can handle But it's different today. The MLS, as far as I'm concerned, is dead. I don't really look at it because there's so many people competing for it that the properties are actually selling at a much higher multiple or much higher number than probably it should trade at, And it's just not a good use of my time. So we are full-on into direct mail marketing, just using postcards trying to reach out to um, sellers with pain points that we can help.
0: That's a that's a fascinating statement that you make. Uh, very controversial too. The MLS is dead. I actually, and I think that that is interesting in more ways than one. I had an agent that I was talking to last week from Florida that said a large builder. Uh, obviously, it's a you know a builder pays their internal sales rep salary and, and bonuses or what have you. Their, they, you know, their sales reps don't get paid on what's in the MLS, right? They have all their internal programs. So they got licensed. They got their brokerage license, went ahead and put them in the multiple list of $500 co-op for houses between five and a million. And so where, you know, a commission could be as much as, say, 20000 30000 $40,000, Coming out five hundred bucks, and the agents weren't finding out till they actually walked in the properties, and the buyer said, "I love it," and then they found out the co-op was five hundred bucks. And she was saying exactly what you're saying, in other words. So I'm paraphrasing, but the MLS is dead. Like you, the co-op commissions are out of the agent's control. Never, never really were in anyone's control, other than the brokers or maybe even a. Slight form of antitrust kept them in under a certain amount or at a certain amount, and uh, so she didn't know how to handle it. And I think what you're saying here is, yeah, uh, you know, you know how to handle it. The way you handle it is you create your own inventory. That, you know, elaborate on this for me. I don't want to be the only one talking here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, two parts to it. So the MLS being dead, I'm referring to actually being able to find properties with margins that you can actually operate and sustain. Uh, actual flipping business, not something I'm just doing as a side hustle or side hobby. Too many people are competing for it. So in that respect, instead, as far as the MLS goes, yeah, I mean, it's kind of always been like that when, you know, who has the gold makes the rules. And right now we're more of a seller's market. So in reference to your builder, they're doing some things to generate, you know, obviously um, probably should do it a bit different. You know, so I think that, and I didn't I know, want to I sound like- I think
0: the point was, what, what you know, you, know you're, you, you basically are relying on your own inventory. Right. Right? You're saying the MLS is dead because you don't want to, he who has the gold wins, right? So you, you want the gold, right? And, and so what are you, what is Josh doing a today to get the gold?
1: So by design, what I want is not to go into an, uh, something that's on the open market and deal with a hundred different agents and investors, I want to find sellers to raise their hand that have some type of need or want or pain point. And when they raise their hand, you know, it's basically a conversation around you know, trying to acquire property that is a value-add opportunity. We're not looking to buy properties at discount, just turn around and sell them. It's truly making the city a better place. It's making neighborhoods better places and things like that. It's buying something that's been neglected for 40 years and doing a complete facelift like you see on the Flip This House, putting it back on the market and selling it. Um, so in that respect, what we're doing is trying to we, we send postcards to them uh, to get them to raise their hand. We get anywhere from one to two percent response rate. Um, sometimes as low as a half. And then we tweak it and we figure it out. But uh, when we do that, um, there isn't as many people that they're reaching back out to. So the conversation when I'm sitting in the living room is a bit different. And I'm having it direct with the person who actually is selling the property. So um, you figure out a way to have conversation, build trust, gain rapport figure out their needs more than anything else, and then just try and meet it.
0: Right. Okay. So, so let's, let's start at the beginning. Where are you getting the leads from? Cause I know you're, you, you, you know, you spoke recently uh, about, you know, one thing that some agents are saying is dead, but actually is not dead is direct mail. So tell me about your direct mail campaign. What are you doing? How many pieces? What's it say? Blah, blah, blah. Okay.
1: So right now we're mailing 15,000 pieces out directly from our flipping business. But what's interesting is um, as I fifteen
0: thousand a month.
1: A month, yeah. Sorry, fifteen thousand a month. Yeah, it's running us about five to six thousand dollars in. What cost. What are these? So we have about <laughs> six or seven different postcards, and it depends on the different lists we build, um, we'll build some that are absentee landlords that have owned the property a certain number of years, and we'll actually mail to them directly.
0: These we'll are postcards.
1: Postcards, yeah. yeah the they're
0: typical like, co- typical uh, cliches, you know. Uh, we'll buy your house for cash. Yeah,
1: we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Um, uh, and it, it's more, it depends on the mail pieces, but each of them have a different message. And it's tailored to what it is specifically. If we're mailing to commercial properties, there's a message as different because you're talking to people that own business you know, type mindset. What's the theme of the message? Uh, basically, what you're saying is that we will buy your home, uh, we'll help you out, we'll get you out of your situation. We will... Um, help you to get rid of your headaches if we're talking to an absentee landlord is a different message are you tired of dealing with you know somebody calling asking to change a light bulb stuff like that you know if it's probate it's actually a letter we send uh, as opposed to a postcard um and we have it handwritten looks like it's handwritten on the outside so it's more likely to be open and it's just more um compassionate towards you know we understand your situation you know unfortunately you've lost a family member you're know, going through some things you know uh, we're a complete solutions-based business. Please give us a phone call. We're, we're happy to help you out with everything from uh, estate sale—you know, getting rid of furniture, leaving stuff behind, whatever it might need, you might need at this point in time.
0: As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool So out of fifteen thousand letters and or postcards, what what how many responses are you getting per month on a, a potential listing?
1: About a hundred to hundred and fifty sellers raising their hand.
0: So let's say one fifty for even number. So one one is that one that's one percent, right? One percent, yeah. One so percent raising their hand. And then how many of those turn into, you know, a physical face to face meeting, looking at the house, blah, 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 blah. Yep.
1: So we then, from those conversations, it's generally set about twenty to thirty appointments. So we're at about ten to twenty percent, depending on the month, from the actual phone call to appointment. Now that number will actually go up because as I've um, dove deeper into the side of the business over the last couple of months, what I'm realizing is that what we've been doing is qualifying them out because we can't make sense of it as a flip opportunity or yeah, a rental. I was going to
0: say that means eighty percent of people that raise their hand don't qualify and and are you saying that essentially they don't qualify for you to make your 45 g's off of you for you to make your 15 percent off of you're like they don't qualify for that because if it was they don't qualify at all for anything it it just seems high
1: yeah so it's for what our needs are right so some people call in and their house is beautiful and it's nice and it doesn't need any work so it doesn't really fit what we're looking for right so what we've done is over the last several months as I've um, dove deeper into the side of the business is like realizing that we have to monetize this. And because we have a, a, a real estate sales team in a business that we've indirectly discovered a tremendous listing uh, lead source. And I'll give you an example. Last month, we had a dozen of these that we actually converted into listing appointments. We have six actual confirmed listings and the other six are, you know, in the process of trying to decide what they're going to do. So from this one direct mail piece, we bought four properties, one rental, three flips, and actually you're gonna have somewhere between six and twelve listings. For a five thousand dollar investment, it was uh, pretty well yeah. worth it.
0: So don't look at the don't look at the percentages, look at the, the actual results. So yeah. okay. So your first goal is is to flip it because the profit's the highest. I guess your second goal is to keep it and rent it, and then your third goal is to resale it, right?
1: Yeah, and, and the conversation in the script, for lack of a better word, is finding the win-win, right? So just going in and trying to figure out what bucket it fits in best. So I don't have a specific goal. Obviously, if we don't buy properties to flip, that business doesn't stay open. If we don't buy rentals, right. then we're not investing. They're
0: the one that gets a call first. Correct. And like the your convers- listing agents on your real estate team don't get the call first and then say, uh, I didn't feel like listing it. Why don't you flip it? It's the other way around. The flippers get the call first. Then, then you consider it as a rental, then yep. the agents get it, right?
1: Correct, because I own both businesses and we can shuffle back and forth between the two of them. You
0: can make a, a, a more money on the flip, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what happens in that is, you know, basically we developed a system to hot transfer. So we have these person live on the phone. So why hang up, transfer a lead, send it to an agent, you know, they're on an appointment, this, that, the other. So basically what we have is a system there where we have it, and through a conversation where we realize that we, it doesn't fit any of the first two buckets, we ask a simple question. Um, you know, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, whatever it may be, um, you know, we're in a situation where we're looking for value-add opportunities. We think your property is in great condition. We do know a way for you to get top dollar for your property. Would you be interested in hearing about it? Yes, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you
1: flip and you put your realtor hat on and you start talking about that and you just kind of transfer the situation. But that hot transfer allows people, when they're in that frame of mind where they've picked up the phone, made the phone call, that we're trying to squeeze everything we can out of it at that very moment because it's when their interest is peaked. Yeah, so that- you,
0: don't, you don't want to hang up and then have the the agent department call back the next day, right? You, you want to walk them through it. You want to train your ISAs, right, who's ever answering the phone. Yep. To take them all the way through the process, and then give them decision-making points along the way to say, "Hey, you know what, this would be better served." And then, so how do you talk me through like some of the like the scripts and some of what you train them to, to say and do, so that you don't lose it, so that you can keep them on the line, sort of like American Express or a credit card company where they flip you to a different department.
1: Yeah. So that first part of the script, you know, we're going through and we have nine questions that we ask open ended questions about everything from, you know, how much they're looking for to get it. What's the improvements you've made? Tell me a little bit about why you're calling. You know, tell me a little bit about why you're looking to sell your home. Tell me a little bit about your situation. um, Tell me about what's most important to you. And then you get down to the last part, which is set an appointment. And by this, you've got enough information, hopefully built enough rapport in a five-minute conversation that then you can switch over to the other side of things when you know it doesn't work. Now, what we're going to eventually develop is hopefully cross-train people to be able to do both. So we're just going to set appointments and put people in living rooms and let them pivot in front of them and get a listing agreement signed, get a contract signed to buy to flip or a contract to buy Uh,
0: to do it yeah that's that's a tough one because it is is internally a conflict of interest in that you know if you sign a listing your fiduciary relationship is to get the most money for them if you're signing to flip it your your idea is to make as much profit and buy it for the cheapest you can i mean how do you how are you going to deal with that
1: so yeah of course your fiduciary responsibility as an agent when you wear that hat is with the seller so what we're doing is exhausting the other part of it first before we figure that out now, in that, part of that fiduciary responsibility comes in. We're not looking to buy a house that we could wholesale or not do anything to and put on the MLS and stuff like that. We're looking for truly neglected properties that we can actually put somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $150,000 worth of work into, depending on the house. So in that, it's a needs discovery process. So sometimes people, we, we just bought a house that was going to tax sale five days from the phone call to our settlement so sometimes their need isn't specific to i have to get the most amount of money it is i need this thing sold before i lose it all or closed on you know so it just depends and, right. and really when you put other people's needs first and you really understand that and you're asking the questions this is where we become a solutions-based company right so we can buy it and we can fix it i also have a database of 800 investors If you're looking top dollar to an investor, we might be able to find it by crafting different strategies, having investor or broker open houses and different things like that, and anywhere in the gamut. Just tell me what your needs are, and I can tell you what we can do, and we can work together to find out a solution that works best for you.
0: So uh, I know uh, Tim Rode, who you and I know both well, at one point had an entire team of of people that would go out and speak to people who wanted to flip houses, and um, and, and and those people would work. I believe it was on a twenty-five percent commission, meaning that of that of that forty-five thousand that you would get, or that fifteen percent that you would get, that agent would get twenty-five percent of that. Right? Does that make sense? Twenty-five yep. percent of the profit. Uh, is that how you plan on paying your guys, or have you figured that out yet?
1: No, we're in the process of figuring out what that looks like as we try and figure out over the next six months joining the two forces together. But the theory and concept, and it'll be something depending on situations that will probably change 10 times till you figure it out. But really, I think what it is, is there's an opportunity that even if you go in and we're getting it for a flip, that you're an agent. We'll give it back to you on our team. You'll take 25% of the commission and relist it, or 35%, whatever the split is. That's an incentive. We'll also pay you basically... Um, um, a find not a finder's fee is not the right word, but a lead conversion fee. So you'll get money for a setting appointment or converting the appointment for a rental. You know, it'll be a flat fee. For a flip, it'll be a flat fee. And then you have some, you know, skin in on the upside, you know, getting the listing back that you don't have to work for. And you have a beautiful new home that usually sells in seven to 14 days, you know, priced right. Obviously, we know what we're doing with that. So I think that's kind of the model when you're an agent that you're incentivized to do any of the three, not one over the other. Because we really want what's best for the people that are sitting, you know, that own the house, not trying to force it into a box of we have to buy all the houses or we have to list all the houses, but really coming from a place of true giving where we're trying to find the best solution for them and having the sales force, you know, their motivation align with that, you know, putting other people's needs first and solving their problems is really what we want to do ultimately and rewarding them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So uh, what else is new and exciting? What uh, what new technology are you using now, Josh?
1: Oh, gosh. It's, it seems like every month there's a new technology we bring in. Um, we actually integrated Asana um, as a unified platform uh, where we all communicate and uh, do workflows through. So all of our business from L10 meetings, like you know, weekly meetings, all the way down to small things and interactions with agents on our team. As an example, when we list of property, um, you know, there's different departments that have to, to communicate together to cohesively work as a team. We're getting everybody away from email and uh, verbals and post-it notes and all that kind of stuff, and this is a centralized point where everybody communicates either through conversations, tasking, and workflows. So, it's been revolutionary
0: in our business. So Okay, so let's talk about this. What, first of all, what's L10?
1: Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, level 10 meeting uh, comes from a book called um, Rocket Fuel, uh, Gina Wickman, uh, that we've adapted and adapted adopted into our business. And it's just basically a very um, same page meeting. You start with, you know, um, affirmations, you know, tell me something good. Then you work your way all the way down through action items from the past that we work into our meeting and then okay what are the issues that we need to work on to move our business forward and at the end the regroup and it just rinse and repeat so when we get back together the resolutions that we work on this week or commit to doing it's a check back that hey did you get this done if no why not and if you did great pat on the
0: back and now a word about rebus university the future of real estate training from buddy blake Of Wilmington, North Carolina.
2: Hey Pat, this is Buddy Blake with REMAX Essential. Uh, It's been a little while since we talked but I wanted to call you and thank you and your team at uh, Rebus University. We did the listing agent university and listing specialist course. I did it myself months ago, and I will tell you that that was one of the most informative systems I've ever done. It is meat and potato stuff versus the theoretical bullcrap that you see people say and do and certainly you go to all these conventions and people show you all these whiz-bang new ideas this was real in the trenches stuff and uh, I use it myself and you may not even know it but we use it for my team I have a team of about 10 and before I allow buyer agents to take on new listings and become listing agents per se be able to do listings they are required to go through this course also We've expanded it out. I have 5 Remax offices and we've got over 100 agents in our company and a good percentage of them are now taking this course as a training program, especially new agents that we've onboard that are brand new into our system. We require them before they can go on their first listing appointment to take and pass this entire course. Uh, It is the best thing that's out there right now. If you're interested
0: in your agents having a better close ratio than any other agent competing in your market, go to hybendigital.com backslash teams to get group pricing. Get every one of your agents certified like Buddy Blake does. And then and then, how do you work that into Asana? Do you have a secretary or someone typing in? Or is everyone typing in? Or isn't Asana like a project? Thing? Yes. Isn't Slack better for just communication and Asana better for projects?
1: Correct. So what we're not looking for is this true communication platform. But if you really think about it at its core, all of these things are little mini projects. Getting a listing on the market is a little mini project better in itself.
0: Right. Every yep. sale is a mini project.
1: Yeah. Yep, and being able to communicate together in that project, we use Glip um, for basically what we would use Slack for, where we can communicate. Wait, what is it? Glip. Glip. Yeah, it's you know it's just a messenger service. That G-L-I-P. Kind of GLIP, Yep. Which is tied in with our Ring Central phone system, so it works well. People are going there for text messaging and phone calls and glipping, so it all works. You know, inter interconnected.
0: Have you tried? Have you used Voxer? Or is anybody using Voxer? You know.
1: We have, I have our business coach um, uses Voxer. Um, so, you know, basically the difference for us is, you know, Vox is more like, Hey, I'm sitting there in my car and I want to record a message and send it to you. And then you can reply back. I mean, it's deeper than that, but that's the it's major. like
0: slide dial in a sense, right? So you, you just don't, you just yeah. don't, I mean, nobody wants to talk anymore because it, it mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's too personal, I guess. I, I you know, but it, it's simpler to a lot of times, right? To to speak words then and explain things than it is to sit there and text them out. You know, yes. Or email them out.
1: I mean texting by its nature is inefficient, I I believe, right? So texting for me is I'm running five minutes late. Hey where are you? Uh, see you on Saturday. It's not let's have conversations, you know, because that conversation that it, you know lasts over an hour could have been taken care of in three
0: minutes with, with a little bit of connectivity. It's certainly yeah it's certainly faster to call or to Or to Vox, right? Um, Yep. Yeah. But but nonetheless, people get annoyed by it, right? You know, I can't tell you how many uh, people I've called and left messages on their machine, whatever you want to call it, on their phone. And it just says, um, if you really want me, text me. You know, almost saying, like, I don't check this. You know what?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we're in a world where everything is just coming at you 100 miles an hour. And so I get it on one hand and i lose it on the other um <laughs> you know does that make sense right you know like i i get it but there has to be there's a balance in all of it so for me like what i've been able to do that's increased productivity in the last two or three years is get away from email get away from text in the sense of not having it binging and dinging all day and you just become a slave to it in a drone it's at designated times my emails come over i have them paused They go into a side folder with this um, app called inbox pause and it dumps back into my main email at 8 30 in the morning noon and five o'clock so i check my email for the most part when it comes
0: okay, over okay let us slow this down i like this inbox pause right this is an app you put on your computer or, or yes it's a gmail add-on gmail add-on inbox pause and it basically it avoids that temptation where you see those numbers accumulating at the bottom of your screen, a little window or whatever that says, you know, 15 and you're like, hmm, let me check those real quick. So.
1: And that about, compulsion is real, right? <laughs> you're like, Oh God, I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. I need to check those 15 emails, right?
0: It's easier, isn't it? Yeah. It's easier than the task that's most important, right? If you're, if yep. it's essentially saying, okay, you know, focus on your biggest domino that you want to, that you want to knock over um, and I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw all other temptation from you. <laughs> right. Yep. And so it purposely pauses that. And then what, and then what happens? So at eight 30, it spits out 30 emails Yep. And, th- and then you go through them all. You delete them, whatever. And then it won't do it again till 1215.
1: You can have a dump on the hour every 15 minutes. This is the way I do it. You know, So it's very customizable. And Pat, I'll say it like this. If you were at home all day and the mailman came and dumped your mail into your mailbox, you wouldn't every three minutes open two pieces of mail and and two minutes later open another piece. You efficiently open it all, figure it out, you move on, right? It's the same thing with email. Figure out a way that you efficiently put it in your day. You take those 30 emails instead of having them scattered out and distracted, you know, and distracting you from what you really need to do. You open the mail, and you check it, and you reply, and you send it off, and boom, boom, boom. Five minutes later, I burned through 30 emails. I'm good. I'm done. I don't have to go back there until 5 and,
0: o'clock. And you, and you know what I'm finding, too, is a lot of them, you know, when they carbon copy other people on your team, if, if you wait, right, till 5 to open it, and you open it, you know, 4, or 5, or 2, or 1 person may have already responded and, and answered the original person's question, right? The issue is yeah. resolved.
1: Exactly, and this is where Asana comes in, where you have that platform that you can have those types of communication directed to the right people, and the trail history of it all is centralized in one spot, not in an email in somebody's inbox. So they all tie together, and this is all designed by efficiency. Our number one goal is to get our people away from email, not from not having email, but from using it as a crutch or a, a lead flow, or not lead flow, a task flow management system. Because as you're trying to deal those tasks, other ones are piling up on it. It's just a natural distraction as a human being that you kind of yeah. want to see what's going on with things.
0: No, I love that. I love that. Cool, man. Well, uh, uh, anything else technology-wise? Any apps on the phone, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. Um, I realize I'm on my phone too much. <laughs> I was <laughs> out at Go Abundance uh, Mastermind event. And there's a, um, when we came back, I think it was Mario sent out a message about this thing called Moment. Which actually shows you how many times you open your phone, the duration, how many hours you spend on the day. Um, and it just runs in the background. So it's kinda uh, look at it, it's pretty amazing. If I open mine up right now, I've already been on my phone for two hours today. Now some of it isn't actually like me on the phone, but I first opened my phone at eight oh one this morning, then again at eight ten, eight eight thirty-seven, at nine twenty, at nine 920, at twenty-nine, and not again until eleven o'clock, and then there's you know, eleven minutes, six minutes. What it does is aggregate the time, which says to me, God, am I really... Like, there was a day where I had six hours and I was on my phone. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm becoming that person, <laughs> you know, like... Becoming that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that exactly. Guy, it just brings it... Guy, front of right? or, or yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, you know, and I like what I like about that. And by the way, guys, it's called Moment. Uh, free app, right? Free app, yep. Yep, free app. And it, it is that it's... Uh, it, it told Josh the times. It was like... 8.09, 8.13, 8.31. That in and of itself made it feel like, damn, dude, really? Why do you keep, you know, why do you keep checking it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, what are you checking, right? Yeah. And I could probably go back, and I'd be able to reason or justify my way out of why I'm opening my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah, phone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it's boredom. You know, I love watching people nowadays, you know, yeah. waiting for something, whether you're at a store or or, or anywhere, a bus, a train station or whatever. The instant protocol is just to look down at your phone and try to do something on your phone because even if you have nothing to look at, you know what I mean? I mean, to avoid that dull space of not having something to look at. Does it make, you know what I mean? It's like.
1: So, you know, what's interesting. I heard that Facebook, how many times a day do you think the average app user opens Facebook from their mobile phone a day? Mm,
0: Three. 32 times. Wait a minute. Thirty two.
1: From if it's a credible source documented in an article from Facebook directly thirty two times.
0: That's nuts.
1: Right? But it's if you're at thirty two stoplights, <laughs> let me see what's going on. Okay, it's green, you know? What?
0: I, I hate that. I see people at, at stoplights and stop signs, and, I, and 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 you ever look over and you, and I can you look at them and be like, yeah, they're checking their Instagram. Look at that, or they're <laughs> checking their Facebook, and you can totally see what they're doing, like checking people out. Should I friend them? Stuff like that, and it's like,
1: right, it's like really, absolutely, is that,
0: is that definitely out of control, and it's definitely uh, unproductive. I think uh, uh, to a large degree, unless you're doing what Chantel Ray teaches, which is, uh, you know, Facebook stalking, which yep. is as an agent, you purposely and aggressively go on to Facebook and only deal with people that are pregnant, graduating from high school, graduating from college, getting married, stuff like that. And then everybody else gets blown off, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Life-changing people only that uh, that want to buy or sell a house. Other than that, it, it, it does tend to become social not working,
1: you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know... It is, and everybody has different methods, you know, but you can't do them all, so you just find whichever one works for you, find that megaphone, find that voice, and just get after it, you know, so that's why we don't have PPC going with, at least for the flipping business, like, let's focus on direct mail, become masters at that, you know, and you find your megaphone, and that's just the way that it goes, and after you master it, you layer it again, layer it again, layer it again, you know?
0: Yeah, I think, I, you know, I think you're smart. I think that uh, I, I know that a lot of people in the flipping business, tons of them, and a lot of them are trying to you know go with the facebook ads and the and the ad campaigns online and the funnels rather than the old fashioned direct mail and obviously you've proven today that that's not dead man that that is there's a huge benefit in in the old school especially when you're dealing with older houses right and and i mean i mean think about it if you get mail now do you look at it right i think that we went through a, a phase where we didn't when they got too much mail and now we don't get enough mail. So we're starting to look at it again.
1: Yeah, we we'll also know your target audience, right? So like when we set this, what, one of the campaigns we run, absentee landlords, so investors, somebody who owns a property doesn't live there, 45 years or older has owned the property 10 years or greater. Those people by nature, 45 or older, do you think that they're going to take a Snapchat from me? Do you think that they're going to take – maybe Facebook, but they're not going to do Instagram, right? They're not
0: going to. Yeah, right.
1: But they're going to open their mail because that's what they're used to
0: doing. Right. Reach them where they are. Right. Get them where they are, where their time is silent. Yeah. I love that, dude. Okay. So, uh, Josh, as you know, everybody that comes on the show brings a free gift, right? And we have a toolbox, and we have – Tons of stuff in there, every, you know, of what agents have dropped off. It's usually a PDF, something they could use in their business uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, what's your free gift you're bringing on today?
1: So I think that um, I can definitely uh, do something as simple as a PDF, which might be a postcard that's working for us in, in context of what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, dude, I'd, I'd love any, any copies of any of your marketing. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. That, w- that would be an yep. awesome gift josh to the universe out there the rockstar nation um guys i'm going to put this on hybendigital.com backslash josh menti and here's it's m-e-n-t-e josh menti two the number two because josh came on before josh menti the number two uh, all the apps, everything that we've talked about today will be on there. All of this information will be on there. If you guys want to send any referrals out to uh, a guy that's killing it in the Baltimore City, Baltimore County, Maryland area, uh, he's your guy. And uh, so Josh's information, his email, phone number will be on there. And we will take uh, some of these marketing uh, postcards and we will put them on in his show notes. And we will put them in the agent success toolbox, which can be found on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. Or of course you can always just text the word toolbox to four, 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 nine, nine, nine. Josh, I know you're heading to Charleston in a few weeks for the Boomtown conference, buddy. This is my uh, hometown now. So look me up and we'll definitely get together and uh, break some bread with some fellow boomers. Absolutely. My friend, Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I wanna ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guess are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio, right on Facebook, and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there, and it's free people ask me all the time where am i on social media i'm real easy to find just type in my name my ig is i am pat hyben it is blowing up on instagram adding tons of subscribers and i'm on there probably twice a day so definitely follow me on instagram as well as everywhere else thanks again for listening and keep rocking